All right, guys, welcome to the Bristol and Bath Lifting Club. Today, we are talking about one of my favorite types of training, which is power building. And we're going to get into it a little bit. And Liam, you are currently now on a power building routine. Apparently so, apparently so. It's basically the same as what I normally would do, just there's lots of volume, that, enough to make me cry in the power rack, basically. <laughs> power. <laughs> It's all about the power. So what is power lifting? What is power building? What is bodybuilding? Let's get into it a little bit. Power lifting is a sport, a competition that you know a lot about. You're far more qualified to talk. You've got medals and stuff. So (laughs) I would defer to you with regards to what that is. All right, guys. So power lifting, if you're unaware, it's actually become a lot more popular now. It's definitely quite trendy. You've got a lot of influencers. Power lifting as well now. Um, but it's essentially one rep max lifts in the barbell back squat, the barbell bench press, and the barbell deadlift. Um, you get three attempts on each lift. You usually have an opener, and then you do your second attempt, which is a bit heavier, and then you do your third attempt, which is YOLO. You only live once. You just really go for it. And then you combine all three attempts together to get your total, and the person with the biggest total wins. A lot of competitions have like qualifiers as well. So you have to hit a certain number at like a local competition in order to go into like a national competition. And then from there, Europeans, from there, worlds, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a term being thrown around called power building. Let's get into that a little bit. Mm. Power lifting is a competition. Power building is a type of program, I Mm -hmm. suppose, or a type of programming. So we think about hypertrophy, which is bodybuilding and getting big muscles. So increasing muscle size, sarcoplasmic hypertrophy, fluff and pump training, looking big, but being weak. (laughs) yeah essentially yeah whereas there's strength training which is where most of my programming for the past year has been focused on strength training specifically same um but with power building is people that want to be big but they also want to be strong it's like people that want to get the cake but they want to eat it too (laughs) and i never understood that expression because i don't see the point in getting cake if you cannot eat it that's true actually why would you want cake? Maybe to show it off to other people. I'm not a really big fan of cake, but I like chocolate brownies. And I'd hate to think that I would acquire a chocolate brownie only be to be told that I cannot eat it. Yeah, that would suck. That would suck more than your current routine. It's even worse when you order it and then the ice cream comes melted. <laughs> You've been ordering from Casper's. Yeah. yeah. So, power building. So... The basics of a power building program for me is I still color code everything the same. So I have a section which is dedicated to strength specific exercises usually. And then I have normally the accessory work ramps up and up and up in terms of volume. So like on the one that I'm using at the moment for the barbell overhead press, I'm using that Bill Starr method that Mm -hmm. we've talked about before. So six sets of three and then a big back off set. As that's the strength focused stuff. But on that day, there's also a bunch of other stuff like um, high reps of uh, wide grip bench press and various other things like that. So the program that I'm doing at the moment is my big boy 70s inspired power power building program, nice. power lifting program. Mm. 
uh, to get my squat bench and deadlift up so this one's very specific to that but a general power building would look a little bit different this one i've i've got and edited from someone else alexander bromley yeah the original so your 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 current power building routine is quite specific to the squat bench and deadlift yeah and then you thrown in the overhead press stuff because i want to still progress with it exactly yeah. today is overhead press day nice at two o'clock ish sound so a lot of power building routines will have like an emphasis on the big three powerlifting lifts and then it will have quite a lot of assistance and accessory work in order to build build those lifts um, so you get like the powerlifting aspect through the through the emphasis on the big three lifts but then you also get the bodybuilding aspect of training muscles in isolation and doing all the accessory and assistance lifts in order to lift up the big three so therefore you get strong stronger and bigger so the two don't have to be mutually exclusive although you do get a lot of people who say power building is a bit of a gimmick because it's trying to do too much in one go where whereas if you focus on power lifting or you focus exclusively on bodybuilding you're going to get really good at one or the other. But if you try and do both, you could be hindering your gains. But I'm not sure how true that is because I've never had a problem trying to do both in the same session. What about you? Well, I think it comes down to nowadays everyone's a specialist. So if you think of it in terms of like wider society and culture in general, we think of everyone being a specialist in a specialist field. But when you apply that to sports or lifting or even just the gym and stuff like that, you think, well, if you're training to be a swimmer, then you're going to be a really, really good swimmer. You're not necessarily going to be really, really good at other things. But just weightlifting in general, people seem to think that, well, you should only be going to conquer one thing. Um, I've been quite interested in uh, watching and studying how the Chinese weightlifting team uh, train and stuff like that and what's really interesting with them is that they're actually really really lean mm -hmm. and there's one or two they have nicknames for people in there I think partly due to the we can't really pronounce in the west their actual <laughs> names so they have they have like nicknames like um, big muscle and stuff like that which is interesting because with that there are one or two of them that are very very strong if they put on a little bit more weight they would be stronger but they refuse to do it because they'd be less lean and they like although they compete internationally mm. at weightlifting they are willing to sacrifice the numbers for other results and things that they want to get they're also with, kind of like tied into a weight class aren't they yeah. as well yeah with power building i think that it's a great program or a type of program or philosophy for people that just want to go to the gym for you know personal reasons that is not really related to a sport or a competition because everything's there you're going to get stronger you're going to get fitter and you're also going to get bigger mm -hmm. and i think from interviewing people when they first come in there's the people which do come from a sports background and they're wanting to train for a specific sport or, or an event like a triathlon or something like that but the vast a lot of them men in particular seem to not want 
to tell you that they're really just training because they feel like a little sissy bitch <laughs> and that they want to be a big boy. <laughs> yeah. Which is the sort of words I use in my consultation. I say, you want to train to be a big boy, don't you? That's really what you're here for. Please tell me that because then we can skip the first, you know, three, four weeks. Yeah. With all of this, you pretending like you really care about being able to do all of this calisthenic stuff. It's yeah. like, yeah, we can add that in if you like that style of training. But if you want to be a big boy, tell me you want to be a big boy. And then hit the hit the barbells and, and the dumbbells barbell. pretty hard. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Power building is a really, really good idea, I think. Um, I think that people that tend to shit on it are more advanced people that think, well, if I was to do a power building program, it wouldn't do a huge amount. And I kind of think these are people that have been training for over 10 years and often have won lots of awards or medals and stuff or are on loads and loads of gear. I was about to say, the people I've seen shit on it are quite open about their drug use. Yeah, Yeah. and they don't necessarily, when you've been training for 10 years, you don't necessarily think about, unless you coach other people, what it is like to be a beginner or an intermediate or anything like that. And Power Building Program is really good because it teaches you all about volume it teaches you about important lifts it teaches you about focusing controlling all of that sort of stuff so there's a lot to be learnt from there i mean it's the next stage up i think from a do three sets of 10 reps for every exercise Mm. type thing because then it gets you to think about accessory work and okay what is the strength focused goals and what is what am i doing to add in to just like lap pull down, lap pull down is not important. You can add it in. It's not important from a strength perspective, I wouldn't say. But it can be really good to add volume in. So if you're wanting more volume mm-hmm. for the laps or something like that, using an appropriate attachment, doing it properly, adding that in at the end of your routine or at the end of your session is one of those things you'll be fucking grateful to sit down. One, one of the reasons why I really like it is that it teaches you to kind of blend rep ranges because mm. you get a lot of yeah. people who kind of divide their sessions into this is going to be a high rep session, this is going to be a low rep session. Yeah. But it doesn't always have to be that way. So with a power building sort of template, let's say you're doing like a bench press focus day, you can start off with your singles, doubles, triples, maybe even fives on the bench press. And then you can back up the bench work with other chest, tricep and shoulder exercises in slightly higher rep ranges. So as the workout goes long, as the workout goes along, you can change your rep ranges. Maybe you start with fives and then you move into eights, maybe tens, and then maybe you burn out with 12 to 15 reps. Um, so it can teach you to blend these rep ranges and kind of get the best out of both worlds, you know, strength and size. Not that one rep range really does more than the other. Not really. Like if you want to get bigger, progression is what matters. What I'm trying to say is, is that you can blend rep ranges and just make your training a bit more interesting. The feeling is vastly different for high reps and high sets with both of those. As long as you're doing, say, 10 sets of 10, like the German volume training I did the other day. Mm. That feels very different than very like three reps, two reps. Mm-hmm. for Even if I was doing that for eight sets, but it would normally be like three or four sets, maybe. Um, it feels different because with the high rep stuff, with a lot of that classic hypertrophy bodybuilder style training... There's tiredness that comes along with it. You're using up your energy. Whereas with pure strength training, when it's very, very heavy weight for lower reps, it's uh, my body can't physically lift it. It's a very different type of fatigue, I feel. Exactly right. 
And we coined those terms. When you're lifting heavy weights for low reps, it's more about mechanical tension, how much tension is being placed on the muscles and on your body systemically. And then you've got metabolic fatigue. That's the tiredness you feel when you're going through like a high rep set and the muscles start to burn out. That's that metabolic stress, um, which does come from high reps. And the two definitely feel different. But we have like recent studies being conducted where there isn't a lot of difference in terms of size as long as progression is taking place. So one thing I experienced is I had no success whatsoever with reps over 10. Didn't really do much for me. Um, but I started to grow like a weed when I was doing like five rep sets, threes, twos. I just started to really grow, adding more weight to the bar over time, which is easier to do on a lower rep set. But with the power building, you can combine both anyway. So you haven't got to like confuse the matter too much. You don't need to get in your head about it too much. You just, you start with your lower rep stuff. And as the workout goes on, you progress into higher, higher reps and you just get the best out of both worlds. The way, the way I normally program with clients and stuff is because we can discuss things in person during a training session, but I know they forget it, which is why I love using like bold, neutral, italics, different color combinations and stuff so people can kind of see it on the programs at a glance, whether they've hit failure or not. So if it's red, it means you failed, you know, when you've written it down, your rep ranges and stuff you've done or orange, false reps or green, I've done it. But also with regards to the priority and the order of the exercises, some are prioritized over others for strength. So people know, I know I need to keep this at a really heavy weight. Mm -hmm. So the way in which my new program, the one I'm experimenting with and playing it is different, is that a lot of the time with my one that I would normally do is more of like a step loading mm -hmm. thing. So you keep a very heavy weight, but you train with that weight and you would up the sets over time. So people can think that that's hypertrophy because we're up to six sets. Like with the Bill Starr method, you could think, oh, well, hypertrophy, six sets, but you're only keeping it at three. Mm. You're keeping it at a very, very heavy weight. So that would go on and on and on. And then the big thing, so over eight reps, I normally say, it normally starts at about two to three sets of eight, and then it will go up to sometimes like 10 sets 12 sets i think i've got next week mm. of 10 mm. to 15 reps um with the one that i'm doing at the moment of course there's that that ramping up so i don't like i've had the first week where i was showing you i was like this feels so wrong because there aren't any real strength exercises in it it's a accumulation phase you call it don't you where everything is technically light. I was working at 60% of my one rep max. And yeah, I was doing that for a high rep, so 10 to 15 reps at higher sets. But it was very, very strange. It felt very, very easy. Mm -hmm. But then by the end of the month, because it's a six-week block of ramping that up and up and up, so the weight goes up, but also does the sets and such go up as well it starts to feel more and more difficult until it transitions into doing your classic kind of three sets of eight and then down again to five sets of three and various other things. Yeah. So it's a little bit more unusual because with the one that I do it, like with the Beale Star method, is a case of, well, I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be eventually getting to six sets of three. If I can't do it this week because I'm stuck on three sets of three, then... I'm supposed to do four sets of three today, say, and I only did three. Next week, I'll try that four sets again. Whereas with this one, 
you really have to and it's forcing you to hit what's programmed there is no carrying over Mm -hmm. if you carry it over then you're screwed so liam's program in a nutshell is kind of like sort of like a traditional linear periodization with a base building phase so his base building phase is his first block of training so it's six weeks long and it's accumulation phase so it's going to be lots of sets light weights lots of reps in order to build a base through volume training and then as he transitions into his later blocks the volume will go down but the intensity so weight relative to his one rep max will go up and then in his third phase in his third block it will be sort of like a peaking phase where he would really start lowering the volume but ramping up that intensity and then shooting for one rep maxes at the end of the program so it's got a base building accumulation phase into a linear periodization method which is a really good way to do it um on my last big macro cycle, I, I did that with my bench. So I started off with like five sets of 10 on the bench and I was progressing on that for a bit. And then when that started to stall out after about four or five weeks, actually it was a bit longer than that, it was about seven weeks. I then transitioned into linear periodization where I started ramping up the percentages um, and then really lowering the volume to the point where the last few weeks of that block, I was doing lots of doubles, triples, and then eventually worked up to some singles. And then the peaking kind of came to an end. Um, I peaked. And then what tends to happen is you, t- you you lose a bit of strength after you peak. So what you would do then is you would do sort of like a deload. If you wanted to run the program again, you would deload. And then you would do another c- accumulation phase and pretty much start back to the beginning with maybe a slightly higher percentage or slightly heavier weights being used, and then you'd ramp up again. So that's how you run it long-term. For anyone who'd like to look at the program that I'm doing, I will put it on our Patreon. It's for the people that pay, innit? Innit. But it is a really good routine, um, and the guy who, who wrote it knows his shit, Alexander Bromley. You can check him out. He's on the YouTubes. Really, really knowledgeable guy. He's a competitive strongman. Mm. Um, he's quite open about his drug use as well which is really educational and he's recently came off steroids but his programming knowledge is awesome so it's definitely worth checking out if you get a chance the one thing I quite like about the power building thing particularly this one where you've got an accumulation phase with, with lighter weight is that you can add in all of this other training to really work on your form so I've added in the wide wide stance box squats I've added in um, chair deadlifts, if anyone knows what they are. I had to look those up, <laughs> um, exactly how to perform those. But things where you're doubling down, even though the, the weight is lighter, but it, remember it's high rep, so it really, really, really gets you practicing movement patterns quite efficiently and quite a lot, because everything should be flawlessly perfect, essentially. When you're under a heavy strain, that's when the cracks start to throw out, start to, start to, you know, shell but all of the stuff where it is higher rep stuff you should be doing that with really really good form and that's when you can see is there anything that i really need to work on so for me i started working a lot on my lower back i started working a lot more on trying to avoid putting strain on my knees because i was feeling it on my knees particularly with the leg press even though i you know do the leg press in a decent position if you do it too close together and too low down, it tends to put a lot of strain on the knees. But I was feeling it there, which I wasn't in the squats. Whereas doing the wide grip stance, wide grip, 
wide wide footed stance with the box squats it's forcing me to use my glutes and my hips with drive which mm. then carry over naturally to do, doing regular squats and the deadlift i don't think about it. my body's just used to firing that now mm. you can see and feel it which most people don't think to do that because when you've learned the deadlift a lot of the time or the squat people don't go ever back to thinking i need to relearn this i need to relearn this Mm. this will be the second time i've tried to rebuild my squat the first time i ever did them they were terrible never hit depth and my ankles were all over the place my heels were coming up off the ground second time i rebuilt them i used like bulgarian split squats and some yoga stuff to really work on my mobility then i started to hit depth and a little bit better and now this third time i've gone right back to basics and tried to rebuild it i'm feeling again more and more and more of the benefits of it yeah your program is definitely a lot more specific to getting a stronger squat now as well um so one of the ways i like to think about power building is i have specificity and then weaknesses and then hypertrophy so let's say the specificity part is about getting a strong bench let's take bench as one of the examples i would obviously do a lot of work on my bench to begin with every session will start with the bench press and then I would self-analyze and see where my weaknesses are in the bench press. Maybe I'm struggling in the lockout, or maybe I'm struggling off the chest, or maybe I get stuck halfway, or maybe my eccentric is not looking good, or the bar path is looking kind of shit. So I would have sort of like a weakness sort of area, and then I will correct those weaknesses with assistance work. So assistance work is very similar to the main lift, but it's kind of like a variation of the main lift that will correct these weaknesses. So for example, if you're getting stuck like halfway off your chest and you've got like a sticking point there, you can throw in some floor press. Mimics the bench moving pattern, but it also helps you work on that weakness. And then I look at the hypertrophy stuff. So what muscles do I need to get bigger in order to get a bigger bench? Well, I need to get my pecs bigger, I need to get my delts bigger and my triceps bigger. So then I start programming in things like maybe dumbbell incline bench, uh, maybe some overhead press, maybe some dips. What about that thing with the towel that Mike Chang teaches? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> the thing where you got the towel and it looks like you're rowing. Yeah, I don't know. I've never seen that. It's complete bullshit. I was. Only I mean, my child is full of bullshit. I was only making jokes. <laughs> so yeah, look at the hypertrophy stuff, and then that's how you build your powerlifting routine. And you can change the rep ranges. So if you start with bench, you can do threes. Your assistance work could be fives. Your hypertrophy work to build up the muscles in the lift can be eight, ten, twelve reps, and all of a sudden you've got a power building routine. Yeah, you can even do curls. You can. Yeah. In fact, I'd recommend curls. Curls get shit on a lot, but. I think curls are actually really good for the eccentric part, portion of the bench press. So having strong forearms and strong biceps will really help with that control. And also just having thick biceps on the bench press, they'll kind of act like a compression sleeve at the bottom position. So you get a little bit of a pop, a little bit of a bounce out the bottom. Is there any downsides to power building and power building programs? Because we can't just talk about the good. Yeah, it's true. Well, I have not really experienced any downsides. That's the thing. It's... When I discovered power building and I started implementing it, this was close to about three years ago now. I've not gone back. Once you go power building, you don't go Mm. back. So I've not found any downsides. The only thing I can think of is maybe you're not being as specific as you could be, but then you can adapt your routine to be more specific if you need to. I've not found a downside 
Um, and I run it on an upper-lower template, similar to Liam's yeah, new template. that's my one at the moment. Upper-lower works really well because then you get two bench days or a bench and an overhead press day, and then you get your squat and your deadlift days. It works fantastically. Um, I don't know. What about you? Can you think of any downsides? Yeah, I can. For the insecure people like me, right. using really light weights that makes me feel really, <laughs> really, really insecure about... I do. I feel really, really, really like, oh, this, this just feels like this should be a warm-up. But I use heavier weights for a warm-up normally. Yeah. I just go up a, a plate at a time for a warm-up. And now it's like tiny weights and I like people are looking at me people are looking at me yeah, they're thinking what, what's happened is he injured or something like that it's literally like people's like what, 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 what's wrong with you have you yeah, got that an injury lasts forever. it lasts for the first four to five weeks yeah so you, but that's the first bit is the initial bit isn't it? getting over that and then you can start using the bigger weights again yeah. but no genuinely I, it, I would class that as a problem because there are people that will that that, that will affect and that people will dislike it. Um, ego lifting comes mm. into I think it comes into ego. I would say check your ego and stuff at the door, but let's be fair. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> it is hard to drop weight when you're doing accumulation phase because you're so used to doing these higher percentages that suddenly you've got to drop down to like 60, 65%. Mm. And it feels like bitch weight. It feels like it's not even a good warm-up. No, I know. But it's an accumulation phase. So it's getting your body used to higher volumes before you start transitioning into a peaking phase. Um, So it is beneficial. It is worth doing. Um, But yeah, I'm not sure if that's a power lifting, power building downside or just... um, a programming downside really i feel like it's kind of i think with the my old style of programming you wouldn't have that because you've still got the heavy weight yeah so with the bill star one there's still that heavy weight but with the other stuff you know it's not a back offset it's not a back offset mike that's all <laughs> of the work done yeah it's 60 percent. and do you know what it felt easy doing it but i did ache a lot the next day <laughs> Because yeah. of the difference. It's a novelty stimulus. Mm. You're so used to training low reps that when you go back to high reps, it, it kind of fucks you up a bit. And vice versa. You know, if all you do is train in high reps and you hit some heavy fucking fives, you're probably going to feel that for about four or five days afterwards. I think I'm actually starting to enjoy the squat. Because I did my 10 sets yesterday and... Even at like set number 10, I was like, do you know what? I've, I can do this. Mm. I've got this. And I wasn't feeling like this is really, 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 really shit. Oh, I hate squats, blah, 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 blah. I was actually thinking, actually, it's really difficult, but I am enjoying it. It's a little bit of pain during it. But after I felt so good, it's really, really helped actually. Um, afterwards, my lower back and everything's felt really, really good after doing the high rep squats. Mm. And then on the Fridays, I do the high rep dead, deadlifts at a low weight weight it's really really because it's the movement pattern and the getting the blood pump into the area and everything like that yeah but it's preparing for big stuff also the the squat does respawn quite well to tens guys like if you're in a sort of like a plateau with your squat or a rut do your heavy squats and then back down and do some tens your your legs will thank you for it the squat does respond really well to slightly higher reps so what would you say if you were building a powerlifting uh, not a powerlifting program. Let's just go for a general kind of program to get strong. Mm. Um, 
accessory work. So we've got our big five in it anyway. Yeah. But what's the bullshit accessory work? And then what's the worthwhile accessory work? So is the good girl, bad girl machine worthwhile accessory work? Or is that in the bullshit <laughs> category? Yeah, I think that falls under bullshit. For me, it falls under bullshit. What about the peck deck? That's also bullshit. Oh. <laughs> There's so, going to be a lot of people sighing. Yeah. So I, I give you guys kind of like a, an idea of what you could do instead. So with the peck deck... A lot of people are doing it because you get a stretch in the chest, but it's not necessarily the best movement for the chest. What you can replace it with instead is something like a weighted dip or, mm. or just body weight dips in general where you sink right down into it. You still get that stretch, but because it's like this big pushing exercise, it's going to have a lot more carryover to your bench press, for example. Your chest will get bigger, your shoulders and your triceps will grow. All these muscles are super important to building up your bench press. But it's not a waste of time because with the pec deck, you're just kind of hitting your chest a little bit. You're getting a slight stretch, but it's not a great movement. Whereas the weighted dip is a very good bang for your buck movement. And one thing I've experienced is that I haven't done a pec deck or a dumbbell fly in maybe 12 years and I had to go on the pet deck the other day and I was able to stack the machine for about 15 reps alright guys so these muscles just because of movement alright guys that's it for the regular edition please join the Patreon where we get into more detail about power building and programming in general and also we talk a little bit about Studio 4 bum 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 you know I'm editing out Studio 4, don't you? You actually going to edit I'm gonna it? I'm going to edit it out, yeah. Oh, I okay. think it's probably best. All right. Bye. Bye.